0: Well, welcome to The Christian Contrast, where we talk about topics that help us see how following Jesus leads us to live differently than the world around us. And so, Garrett, today we're starting a series where, roughly speaking, we're going to be talking about how, in the context of the church, we talk about sex. So, great. Great topic. It is a great topic. Not always an easy topic nope. to talk about.
1: Yep. Yep. Could be awkward, but it won't be. It'll be yeah, good.
0: Not with us. Yeah. So uh, one of the one of the ways that this came up is um, I'd found it. I know that you just watched it also, but on Amazon Prime there was this film from Joshua Harris, mm-hmm. who back in the 1990s had written a book called "I Kiss Dating Goodbye." Um, some listeners you, you might have heard of this. You might have read it. Um, it was a it was a national bestseller. It kind of made a splash because it was advocating for Christians to approach dating in a different way to approach dating more like, you're dating for marriage, you're not just dating to see how far you can get or to see how many girlfriends you can have. It's called a courting, right? Yeah, he he was advocating courting. Um, and uh, what the film does is it goes back through, and, and as a quick caveat, some people might know, Joshua Harris has been in the news now lately, he's abandoned the faith, it's, it, and so it was awkward watching this because this was before all of that. But not
1: long before, like a year or yeah,
0: two. Yeah, yeah, a year or two before that um but this was at a time where he was being challenged to look back over the impact of his book because there were some people that were very positive about it some people that were very negative about it and the film then gets into just the broad idea of what sometimes people call the purity movement mm-hmm. which kind of overlaps i'm i'm older than you but overlaps both of our times yeah. in youth groups yeah and so As you watched that, did you have some insider experiences of how you thought back to your time in the youth group and how the purity movement impacted that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I definitely remember it being a pretty big deal at times. The youth groups I was in was like, you might have a purity conference once a year or like a teaching series. Um, I knew of people who their whole youth group would go to like some kind of touring national conference that would be in some big setting and be like thousands of teens there and like some hip. Christian artist, you know, doing a song and doing a call for purity and everyone would get like purity rings from this kind of national organization, True Love Weights or, or right. something like that. Right. I didn't get to any of those things, but, but we definitely talked about it a lot in youth group and which I think in a lot of ways is healthy and normal to talk to teens about. Um, but I do remember specifically more of that just becoming less of a topic maybe talked about in youth groups and less likely to go to some big organization conference, bit of untrue love weights. So I remember, yeah, there was a time kind of in the late nineties and two thousands that this was talked about a lot more and it was a really big thing. And parents were getting involved and, and dads were getting involved with some of the, some of the events and organizations. Um,
0: yeah. And seemed like daughters. probably a movement at the time. That was a reaction against the context of within the church. We just don't talk about this. Yeah. Um, sex is an uncomfortable topic to talk about. We're in church. We, we just try to give people the impression you're not supposed to do this. Maybe they know a little bit more information. Right. But then there was this movement of—within churches, but it seemed like specifically within youth groups—first um, of all, to talk about sex in positive terms. Mm-hmm. Say sex is not something dirty. Sex is something that's good, that God's created. And it's, it is for marriage, so it's not something just—you know, the illustration I always give is with fire. Fire is good. Fire out of control is destructive. Right, right. The, the whole same deal with that. But yeah, there was a movement of of sometimes getting very specific, like you talked about. Like, I remember the purity rings being a thing for a while where, yeah. you know, all right, I'm wearing this ring because I'm pledging that I'm not going to have sex until I get married. Right. Or I'm signing some pledge, and I don't know if it was put up on a wall or put in your yep. drawer. Yeah, just it to, kept it in your Bible, maybe. Yeah, kept it in your Bible to remind yourself. Uh-huh. Um, I remember my youth pastor talking about sex much more overtly with us, um, not every week, but but probably once a year or so, having a series devoted to that, right? And then in different small group contexts. I'm sure it w- it was happening with the with the girls also, but getting yeah. the boys together and just having some of those talks that maybe some of our dads were having with us, but a lot of our dads probably weren't having those talks with us. Right. Kind of felt like somebody's got to talk to these these boys and girls about this as they're in the high school, junior high age. Yeah, um,
1: yeah. We we did a like a, a weekend retreat. Okay. Like a, like a, like a similar to like a winter retreat where you go snowboarding, but it was, maybe it was a cabin and two different cabins, like a girls and guys, maybe even there was one even in different locations, but we're signing up together. It's the same weekend, but the girls are going away and they're going to be talking about purity and issues that relate, you know, to women and sexuality. And then the guys were going away with all the guy leaders, a, pl- a safe place where they could ask questions and explore, you know, some of the struggles that they have and and just be open and honest. And I did notice you know, the benefit of being overt about it and saying this is the time for that is it took away a lot of the awkwardness. It was awkward at the beginning. Yeah, the Younger students were struggling. You got a hill to climb before yes, it becomes yes. normal. Older students were a little bit more shame and guilt. But you know, over time of just being open about it and the leader sharing, it was you really could have conversations in those moments that you couldn't have at a normal youth group or that you hadn't had up until that
0: point in your adolescence. Yeah. And that is one of the things about it. It was interesting for me kind of, reinvestigating it because I even, and, and, you know, for, for listeners, you could go, if you have Amazon prime, you, you could watch the film, you might find it interesting. Um, but for me it was interesting because I went in thinking, I know exactly what this is going to be. Mm. This is going to be, um, a bunch of people that are saying that, The biblical ethic about saving sex for marriage and even about, you know, marriage being between a man and a woman, I kind of had my guards up. I'm like, they're going to be criticizing that. Mm -hmm. They're going to be saying that's repressive and we shame people by telling them to save sex for marriage and by saying sex outside of marriage is a sin. Um, And so that's where I thought the film was going. And there definitely were some people within it that probably had that view Mm -hmm. that the reason the purity movement was bad was because anytime that anybody feels ashamed about a sexual experience, that's bad. Um, But a lot of it wasn't that. A lot of it was more looking at it and saying, what were some of the unintended consequences of some things that maybe—and they might have even been things that you and I didn't necessarily experience, but a lot of youth groups did experience and made me realize um, I I wanted to have a greater level of recognizing there's baggage that people within our church right now and within many churches may have— because of some of those experiences surrounding youth groups or surrounding parents or surrounding books and ways that people talked about sex that were probably well-intentioned, but either brought a level of stigma or mm-hmm. shame or confusion that's been hard to get over.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I, Those are things that I didn't think about as an adolescent going through this. And it wasn't until I was a, a youth pastor at a church in Michigan that I was in a life group and developing peers of the same age, and some of them were youth leaders that some of these examples of how the purity movement for them didn't quite go over as well. Mm. And they didn't quite, you know, um, learn all the things that they were hoping to learn about their own sexuality and what purity meant. And, you know, it was interesting to see, even for me to, to, for the purity idea to kind of work for me and my wife and my marriage. And then, you know, for some people to have a negative experience was kind of eye-opening. And, and over the next couple of years, really learned that it kind of came down to You know the church and the adults and the youth group that they experience. You know how boundaried and thoughtful and wise are these statements going to be to teens because they're going to—they're really malleable and they're really going to. This is going to form their sexual identity in a lot of ways. But even if it's one talk over one weekend, um, to see how much it shaped them was really surprising. And and then you know I could easily see well-meaning adult leaders you know maybe being. Two black and whites or yeah, I mean, specific do, yeah, enough. Yeah, I mean,
0: do any examples stand out to you? Because when, when, I'm very curious about that. Yeah. When you talk about that, about somebody saying, here was a way that yeah. something gave me something to overcome instead of assisting me. Yeah,
1: just recently, knowing that we would talk about this, I asked some people, you know, what was their experience with the purity movement? And I heard from a couple of women. And, and one of them said something that, um, you know, I don't think I had thought of before. she said that as a young teen, her first kind of relationship and then ended up being her first sexual encounter went way too fast and too far. And she felt unprepared because she was taught that, you know, sex is dangerous. And and that's the one thing you need to look out. They mentioned some other things, but they didn't go into detail.
0: But really just avoid sexual intercourse. Yes. That's that's the whole purity. Yes.
1: And, and, And you'll be prepared to avoid it if you know that. So she felt going into this relationship, I'll be able to to make boundaries and and handle it. And then next thing they're kissing, and next thing you know, it's gone too far and too fast. And she felt, man, that was not, that was not what I was expecting. They didn't prepare me for how to say no or, or whatever it is, or when to stop things like that.
0: Yeah. To see the whole idea of, of sex as a more, there's a more um, holistic idea of our sexuality. Mm -hmm. And so, because I've heard stories too about, about uh, people saying, all right, well, we had oral sex because we wanted to remain virgins. Sure. And just thinking, well, all right, we we've missed the boat a little bit on the sort of virginity versus sexual or versus purity idea. Right. To say, all right, you you can maintain virginity and not be living pure at all. Right. And so it sounds like she was sort of had had that such a black and white. Here's the line. There's one line. This is the only thing. Right. And thinking that that was going to equip her for the ins and outs of just the tricky judgment calls right. or.
1: Yeah, and I don't imagine I don't imagine that the adults thought that all those things are okay. Right. But they were right. like they're probably like, let's not talk about all those yeah, other things not, they could it's, do. Let's not give yeah. them any ideas. <laughs> That's right. You know? They don't need any extra ideas of what
0: they could possibly Which, do.
1: Which, As an adult with kids, I could see that. You know, yeah. like you don't want to tell them about something. There's a desire, you know, there's a fear. Tell them about all these other things that are, you know, are also bad. Some of our gray area, you're gonna to have to make a decision. Let's just not have them struggle with that. Just tell them that sex is bad. And that'll that'll be enough, and and in most cases, as a young hormonal teen, it's not enough. That's true. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I, I think that that is really significant, and and even when we we've used the word purity a lot, that that is one of the things that comes back to it. To to say how are we how are we defining that more than just saying save sex for marriage? Which right. I'll say, I think uh, we do. I, I think probably more than ever, we need to say those words: save sex for marriage. Right. Overtly, because it is no longer sort of the hey, we all know good Christians, boys and girls are supposed to do this. That is not true anymore. Yeah. We need to overtly talk about that so that people even are aware of that. I remember meeting with a couple for premarital counseling. And, uh, you know, I, I always tell people, I asked this question, I said, Are you guys sleeping together? And they said, Yes. And they were sort of surprised that I saw that as something that we needed to talk about and <laughs> yep. how it affected their faith and
1: Surprised their pastor asked them that
0: yeah and it was almost like the guy in particular was the the impression i had was that he was like so you guys are still hanging on to that yeah. like you know flat earth and no sex till marriage <laughs> like you guys are you know all right <laughs> i thought you guys had abandoned that a while ago
1: right well i could see how that you know if you look from the outside looking in mm-hmm. and maybe you're old enough to remember even from a non christian their perspective of what was happening in the purity movement in a lot of ways it's not as vocal. We don't talk about right. it as much. Often, well-meaning Christians are speaking less about sexuality, not to offend someone. The stats still show that 97% of people are, are, aren't waiting, aren't saving right. sex or marriage. So they look around and think, like, it must not be that big of a deal. Yeah, Because not only do they not talk about it enough um, as much, plenty of Christians aren't waiting, so it must not be right. a big
0: deal. Yeah, it doesn't pair that, And you'd mentioned something else, just even in, in a conversation with your wife, about how the purity movement also affected her just coming into right. marriage
1: yeah absolutely she we talked about it and she still even to this day you know struggles with you know sex being good and okay and and within the context of marriage um you know gifts from god and i you know looking back i can see that within her own family context they were probably like yeah go to those purity things because we don't want right. to necessarily talk about it And she talks about you know growing up in her house that it was not okay to to ask questions like that mm-hmm. and to talk about those things and And like, you know, she says these comments of like, you know, like having to hide the fact that like she needs a tampon when she goes to the bathroom from her dad, that's somehow inappropriate, which makes you think about like your own sexual identity must not be good and right yeah, when well, you
0: do think about that, that there there's already embarrassment. I mean, there there's a reason why we talk about privacy and sort of th- those sorts of things. There's already embarrassment surrounding all of this stuff. Right. And so it's not hard to see how it would how it would kind of slide into that. I'll say, like, as a dad, you know, I've I've got three sons. I'm uncomfortable with sure. with having talks about sex with my sons. And I'm like, and I like, man, I'm a Christian. I'm even a pastor. Yeah. I'm probably more well equipped for some of these conversations than a lot of people. I still feel wildly uncomfortable about it. And so it is just, it can be a difficult subject. And, you know, I don't have girls, so I'm not having to yeah. have some of those, you know, the other kind of talks right. about just the body changing. But I think it's, it's legitimate for us to look at it and say, all right, there's a reason why this is difficult to talk about. But it, within the church, and certainly within families, um, but within the church, we want to be able to say, all right, we, we should be able to talk about mm-hmm. sex in a way that's helpful to people. That's helpful for equipping people so that, God willing, a, a lot of people are going to get married if, if, you know, a lot of our young people are going to get married. Um, and when, we, when they do, we want them to have a healthy, positive view to sex. We don't want them to have things to overcome. Mm-hmm. God willing, we also don't want them to have a whole bunch of sexual experiences before marriage to overcome because that's going to be difficult and painful sorting those things out. Um, it's also going to hinder their relationship with God. And mm-hmm. so it's like on the one hand, we do have this sense of, all right, well, we've got to talk about it in our culture, because if we don't, if people just do the cultural norm, it's not going to be the biblical norm. People right. are not going to save sex towards marriage. And also if we don't talk about it and all we say is don't do it, then when you get into marriage, the, the point of sex is not just not having premarital sex. This is a good gift from God. We want people to be to be able to experience sex within marriage as— one of the most powerful expressions of oneness and unity that marriage is meant to reflect.
1: Right. Why do you think, you know, it's so difficult for Christians to talk about sex? It seems more okay for non-Christians to yeah. talk about it. And and sometimes it could be inappropriate sharing experiences, but even like, you know, it seems like it's it's more appropriate in the context of just sharing what you're going through, what you're struggling with. What's it like with your new spouse? Christians, it's like kind of off limits, you, you know? Can't.
0: Yeah, and I, I think, I mean, it's it's a huge question. And, it, and probably the main question that we're looking to help with on this is to say there's got to be a way for us to do this. And so I know as as, as guys, it's like, all right, we're, we're aware of the locker room version of this. right? We're aware of the, you know, talking about girls' bodies and, you know, just kind of, you know, um, swapping stories and, you know, conquering and all that kind of stuff. So it's like, all right, we're aware of that. And as, as Christian men and women, we're, we're like, all right, we know it's not that. We know that's not the healthy version of how we have open conversations about sexuality. So we know what it's like not to talk about it at all. We know what it's like to talk about it, but have it be inappropriate. Right. I think the, the key—and and there are some appropriate mixed-group conversations that can happen. Yeah. I just think, ideally, you'd think, man, this should be something that when there's a group of godly men hanging out, they can appropriately talk about sex— and have it be something that actually builds people up. And I would say, like, I have experienced this a number of times, and it, and so, a lot of times in just one-on-one friendships that were close enough that we feel like we can talk about things. But sometimes, even with a group of guys, where we we can be saying, "All right, yeah, th- this is this is what has helped us in our sexual relationship." We we were kind of we were um, at a point that it, it wasn't very good, or we weren't on the same page, or you know, like it was. As guys, sometimes it's like, well, it's fine for me, but my wife wasn't really enjoying it. And yeah,
1: I need and, some tips.
0: Yeah, and some sometimes it is even practical tips, which sounds funny because yeah. it's like, how do you do that appropriately? Right. But you think like, you know, we're, we're talking as men right here, especially, but as a man, you think you, you want sex to be a wonderful experience for your wife. And as right. men, we typically wanna feel competent. We wanna feel like we know what we're doing. You, you don't just suddenly learn how to do this. Right. And every woman is different, but just talking to other men and saying, oh, I, I never would have thought about that. And sometimes it's not even stuff of like, when we're between the sheets, sometimes it's like, oh, I never thought of like, having her go and relax in the bedroom while I did the dishes and put the kids to bed. Yeah, yeah foster intimacy. Yeah, just the whole idea of saying, hey, when we do this, or or even other other couples talking about, hey, we, we actually schedule it. We know this is our date night, and we protect it. Um, or others talking about sort of like, here's different practical things that we've done, or just just to to make this really good. Here's how we've looked to be creative. Here's how we've looked to to keep this alive and keep good communication. I just I know that that can exist. And I've been in conversations with other men where that's happened. It's been completely honoring to the wives involved. It hasn't been gratuitous. It hasn't been rude. It hasn't been demeaning. And it's built us up to the point where one of the positive things that I've seen from it is it's allowed, men to be able to say, okay, yeah, I'm glad we're talking about this because th- this is a point of frustration. Mm. Um, with men, a lot of times the frustration is this isn't happening frequently enough. Mm-hmm. And with women, a lot of times the fr- <laughs> the frustration is this would be happening more frequently if it was as nice for me as it is for you. Yeah, yeah, So just being able to have those things and say, all right, yeah, I was embarrassed to admit, but my wife is is not terribly happy with yeah what i'm doing in in these cases and to be able to have those kinds of conversations where it's open and we're building each other up and we're looking to support each other in every area of marriage including the sexual area of marriage do you think i mean this
1: may sound pessimistic but do you think one of the reasons why it's not often talked about even in the, within the christian marriage context is there's still a lot of shame and guilt kind of wrapped into if we're talking 97% of the people didn't mm-hmm. wait there's some sin issues and maybe Maybe they just thought that those sin and guilt would go away when that got they got married, or maybe they didn't, you know, you know, you, the things you did before we met, or the things you did before we met, and now that we're married and we're mixed company of people of different Christians who have different experiences that that we struggle to talk about it because in a lot of ways we haven't dealt with um, the ways that some that that sin has affected us and affected our marriage yeah. and come clean with God or, uh, or
0: I I think definitely and that is a thing and there's a lot of shame surrounding the area of sex for a lot of different reasons. You know, even if you would look at it and say, hey, no, I, I was a virgin when I got married. You know, I, di- I didn't do a lot of these other things. There's still just the idea that there's shame that goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden when Adam right. and Eve realized that they're naked, that there's shame over the idea of nakedness. Yeah, and as soon as
1: you say that, the, the guy who didn't wait, people who didn't wait, were are like, no, oh, I'm not going to talk
0: about it. Exactly, you know?
1: yeah. I had 15 people or whatever. E- exactly.
0: Either. And so, yeah, so you think about that. And so you think, all right, there's already shame associated with this even when... We don't have a lot of guilt over things that we've done wrong. Then, when you add that in, and I just think you know that there, there are contexts where I am upfront talking about sex or saying something or or giving the overt sex is for marriage. That right. um, you can see at different times, just sort of the heads go down. Huh. And so it is a matter of saying, all right, well, well, it's difficult because we could say you're making fe- people feel bad. Stop doing that. Yep. It's like, well, that's that's not a good solution. But you want to figure out all right, what do you do after that? What do you do after the person is like, I feel bad? Sometimes there's a good reason for us to feel bad. It's mm-hmm. it's appropriate. It's it's a it's a necessary step along the way for us to get healing. To say I feel bad because I did something wrong and I haven't really dealt with it, or I haven't admitted it, or I you know am pretending that it's not affecting me, but it is. Mm-hmm. And then from there to start to figure out, all right, what what, what does it look like? Is is this mostly a matter? of going before God and really experiencing confession and repentance over this. Is this about going to a person in the past that you need to talk to? Is this, a, you know, that you haven't told your spouse, you know, that, that they think that you were a virgin when you got married and you haven't told them because you think that they're going to freak out, mm. and so you're mm-hmm. carrying around the horrific weight of that yeah. burden? So sometimes it's just saying, all right, what do we do? We, we, we can create the moments where people experience shame, and shame... It's not the end of the story, it's a bad end of the story, but sometimes it's a helpful step along the way for us to figure out, what do I do now? Because ultimately ultimately, as believers, Jesus died to take away our shame. So we don't get rid of our shame by just pretending it's not there. Right. We get rid of our shame by bringing it to God, by bringing it as a burden to God because Jesus has opened the way for that. Yeah. But that's not gonna happen if we're not willing to, first of all, acknowledge that God has a calling for us in how we handle sex, and secondly, to try to create those spaces, right, where there can be those follow-ups, one-on-one, in small groups, in men's Bible study, women's Bible study, discipleship relationships, where, and and a lot of times it's it's going to be somebody else initiating the conversation, right? It's not going to be the person that's carrying around the shame, saying, "I can't wait to talk about this." It's going to be somebody else creating the situation of saying, "It's going to be okay if you talk right. to me about this." Yeah, I
1: agree. Something, a, a practical tip I was thinking of is. If you wait until the shame is gone or even the awkwardness is gone to talk about it, you may never talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. So sometimes you have to, like I say, people, sometimes you have to practice bravery even though you don't feel bravery, feel brave. Sometimes you have to practice talking about the areas in your life that you don't feel comfortable talking about. And doing that enough leads to maybe even eventually a route to deal with that thing in a healthy way with God and with your spouse. But at least, you know, get you more comfortable talking about it, therefore leads to the opportunities to have conversations and to Yeah, and, well, to be and open. I think,
0: you know, and, and, and this would be something, especially to people listening right now, that this is striking a nerve, is just to say, I think most of us have at least one, and a lot of times more than one person in our lives, that we could look at and say, I could talk to him. I could talk to her. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to get up in front of a group of 50 people and talk about this stuff, but I know I could go and talk to this close friend and while they may not approve of the different things that I'm saying that I've done or that I'm carrying around, I would not be cast off by this person. And to say, that's enough right there. Yeah. And and so it, I, I just want to say, anybody listening to this right now who's feeling like, I I still don't know how to do this, and start there. Start with saying, who is that one person that you could go to and say, I've been carrying around the weight of this, or I've been frustrated about this, or I'm kind of embarrassed, but... Our sex life isn't very good and i feel like it's never going to get better unless we're able to talk to somebody about it Mm -hmm. so just to at least figure out and and what you said is so true like bravery is not that you suddenly are not scared of things right bravery is when it's petrifying and you still take the step of faith right and the steps of faith tend to get less petrifying once you've taken that first one so it's like all right don't resolve to go and solve the whole problem just resolve to have that first conversation with that person that you trust and then keep taking the next step after that.
1: Yeah, that's great. That's good. I'd love to end with this, if this is okay. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about how we can talk more about this. I know in the Facebook group, we often ask questions. I'd love to hear people's experience with the purity movement. Yeah. They were, they were involved in that, or maybe they were a parent to their, maybe a now adult sure. children in that, and maybe there, it was all good things, or maybe there's some areas they wish they could have, could have done differently. I'd love to hear people's Oh, I agree, yeah. Stories
0: of people saying, I'm so glad this happened. I had such a great help with my youth group. And others saying, I have baggage that I'm still dealing with today yeah. because of something being mishandled or misunderstood on my
1: part. Yeah, that's great.
0: Yeah. That's good. Well, I, I hope that this can be the beginning of uh, some fruitful conversations that we'll have through the podcast. Yep. And also, God willing, if, if at Life Bible Fellowship Church, we can be a church family where we just know this is something that's okay. There are appropriate ways, appropriate places, appropriate contexts to talk about this. There can be a lot of healing. There can be a lot of growth. And just frankly, there can be a lot more joy in marriages if we're actually willing to to sort of open the doors and make this an okay conversation to have in appropriate ways.
1: Yep, let's do it.
0: Yeah, so as Garrett said, um, feel free to leave comments, especially on the Facebook page and share about your experiences, share questions or comments about this episode. And we'll look forward to uh, coming back with another one soon. All
1: right, see you then.